All right. Welcome to the month of June. Amen. Welcome to the month of June. The month of June is our month of Eglo Mahaya. Eglo Maha. Eglo Eglo Maya. Amen. Eglo Maya, which means chosen. Amen. Acts chapter number 9. Acts chapter 9. I have to start getting my accent right. Act chapter 9. You know, when you say act in certain places, it doesn't make sense. It's act. Act chapter 9, verse 11 to 18. Why are you laughing? Now there was a certain man, a certain disciples in Damascus named Ananias, and to him the Lord said in a vision, Ananias, he said, Here I, I am Lord. So the Lord said to him, Arise and go to the street called Street and inquire at the house of Judas one, for one called Saul of Tarsus, for I For behold, he is praying, and in a vision he has seen a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him, so that he might receive his sight. Then Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem, and here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call on your name. And the Lord said to him, go, for he is my chosen, he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before the Gentiles, kings and children of Israel. For I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. And Ananias went his way and entered the house and laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you came has sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales and he received his sight at once, and he arose and was baptized. Somebody say, you are his chosen vessel. Give somebody a high five and tell them, you are his chosen vessel. Hallelujah. You are his chosen vessel. Now, Paul uh, Saul was on his way to Damascus. And he had a plan. He had an agenda. His agenda was to finish what he had started. And what he had started was helping uh, the mob to kill a certain guy. Hallelujah. And after killing the guy because of the fact that he was a Christian, he got emboldened and he got empowered to do more harm to the so-called Christians. So he went on his way, collected letters from the high priest 
and was on his way because he had heard that there were more Christians hiding in Damascus. So he was supposed to go with the army of soldiers to go and imprison these guys and take them back to Jerusalem where they will be imprisoned and possibly killed. And on his way, a light attacked the, the caravan that he was in. And his horse jumped and he fell. When he fell, he heard a voice that, I am Jesus that who you persecute. And he immediately got blind. And when he came back to himself, they held his hands and took him into the city of Damascus, into a, a street called Street, to go and lodge with somebody. And as he was there, he was praying that God will have mercy on him and send somebody to help his situation. And God answered his prayer by sending Ananias and said to Ananias, go to that place. When you get there, ask for Saul of Tarsus because he, is, he lives there. And when you go there, you go and lay hands on him and he, for him to receive back his sight. And immediately Ananias said, no, no, you don't understand. This guy, he's here to kill us. In fact, we, because we heard that he's coming, all of us have gone underground. And he says that, no, don't argue with me. Go, because he is my chosen vessel. Hallelujah. He is my chosen vessel. Now, choice. I'm writing a book called Choices. And... Uh, Anytime you introduce a choice, it means there is or there are a plethora of options. There, there are options in order for you to have a choice. If there are no options, you don't have a choice. Are you with me? So when God says to Ananias, go to Saul because he is a chosen vessel of mine, it means that there are others he could have used, but he has decided to choose Saul. I want you to take the name Saul out of the picture and insert your name there. And if you insert your name then I want you to understand that this afternoon, you are the one that has been chosen. Amen. I don't know whether you got it. You are his choice. Amen. Amen. Chosen means there are options. Hallelujah. There, uh, in, in Luke chapter 5, verse 1, the Bible says that Jesus decided, was walking, as he walked by the sea, Genesaret, the multitude pressed about him to hear the word of God. And he stood by the lake of Genesaret and uh, he saw two boats, options. Can you see two boats? Standing by the lake, the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. And then he got into one of the boats. He had a choice. 
I don't know whether the boat that he got on was on the left or was on the right. It doesn't matter where the boat was. All we know is that he had a choice and he chose one boat. Incidentally, the boat he chose was Simon's, which means that the other boat was somebody else's. Are you with me? There were, a boat is a vessel. I am a vessel. You are a vessel. I don't know whether you understood that. The boat, the boat is a vessel. I am also a vessel. So God today has options who to choose. And today he has decided to choose you. Say so he chose one that was Simon's. Hallelujah. Simon had a name. The boat had an owner. The boat was owned by Simon. He got into Simon's boat. So to, to be able to choose means there are options. I'm giving you, the, uh, I'm trying to build up the, the whole theme for the man so we understand what this is about. Okay? To choose, number one, means there are options, isn't it? There are options. Without options, you will not have a choice. If only one guy came to you to say, I want to marry you, then you don't have a choice. I'll leave it there. I'm not going any further. But if there are about four or five suitors, and, and may you have four, five, six suitors, don't settle for the first guy. Uh, I don't know whether you understood. That's also another message I'll preach one day. There is a message I preach called substitutes. A substitute is usually not the best option. That is why it is a substitute. It's like a spare. When you have a spare tire, why are you preaching my message? It's like a, a, a spare tire. A spare tire is not the best option. That is why it is in the boot. I don't know whether you understand what I'm saying. It is, it is the best tire is the one underneath the car. The one that is selected to be driven on is the best option. But usually you will see the substitute before you see the main option. The one in the boot always comes. The ugly duckling always comes. Leah always comes first before Rachel. Uh, that's not my message. Let me leave it alone. Let me preach today's message. Get, get the book choices. <laughs> Hallelujah. There are choices. And you, you see, he has chosen you. For you to choose something, it means something appealed to you. If I have a choice between two people and I choose one, they must, they obviously must have a reason why I chose that one. Hallelujah. Why did God choose you and not the one next to you? 
Why did God choose me and not my brother? You know, this morning I was thinking about this particular message. And as I was thinking, I got a little emotional. Because I remember that when, we, when I first go, uh, got into church or went to church, my brother was in the place or came to the place. And my brother was a more prayerful person than I was. Today, that brother is on drugs. He was not the chosen vessel. And I, the one who was looking around, and my focus was only on the drums. I wasn't really interested in anything else that was happening around that time. I wanted the drums. So I was looking at the drummer as he was playing, and I wanted him to get off so that I'll go and see whether I... Hallelujah. But somehow, God chose me. I was not the best option as far as I'm concerned. But for some reason, I was his option. Tell somebody, I may not be the best option. But I am his option. Number two. Being a chosen vessel is a privilege. Hallelujah. That's one of the things that this morning occurred to me. That I didn't deserve. I was not good enough to be chosen. But for some reason, I was given the privilege. In 1 Timothy 1.12, this is, a, for, this is Paul speaking. I thank God. I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has enabled me because he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. Now, on the way to Damascus, there were soldiers accompanying um, Saul. He was not the only one there. Why was he the one chosen? There were others who had the same intention to go and persecute and, and kill Christians. But he was the one that was picked on by God. Although I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, an insolent man, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. I was given the privilege, not because I deserved it, but he knew that whatever I did, I did out of ignorance and unbelief. So he decided to give me the opportunity. See, one of the things that we Christians do not take cognizance of or not pay a lot of attention to is the fact that It's, it's the fact that our salvation is a privilege. You sitting where you are sitting this morning is a privilege. You could be on, hooked up on life support. You could have been in prison. Not everybody in prison is guilty. Not everybody in prison deserves to be there. 
It could have been me. It could have been you. Somehow, God has given us the privilege to be here. There's somebody who is praying that, oh God, if I can only get out from this bed, I will go to the, the house of God every day of my life. There was a man, a rich man, worked, he had his own business, he was a contractor, and he had a multi-billion dollar contract. And he was, he's a Christian, he used to go to church, and got this big contract, and all of a sudden he wasn't going to church, so pastor visited the guy, went to his house, and as he was talking, the pastor said, these days we don't see you in church. Then he said, oh, pastor, you don't understand. I've become very busy. I can't come. Then the pastor was trying to advise him that, you know, even if you can't come to church, let your money go to church. Pay your tithe. Then he laughed and shook his head. And he said to the pastor, if you know what my tithe is worth, you won't be asking me to pay. Because my tithe will shake the whole church. will throw you into outer panic and conflagration. So, leave me alone. Somebody has just triggered something in me, that's why. Hallelujah. And so, the pastor was very sad and he went away. Exactly six months this guy had a heart attack and was hooked on life support. And as he was lying there dying, he asked the people to try and locate the pastor. Then they asked the pastor to visit him and pray for him. And when the pastor came, he said to the pastor, Pastor, I regret everything I said to you. I wish time could go back six months. And this time, I won't only pay 10% of my tithe. I will give 90% of my tithe. Because now he could see death at the door. And he wished he could get out of the place. If his tithe was the only thing to exchange, his tithe would go to church so that the, the money, the rest of the money will come and lie on the bed where he was lying. He would have done that. Hallelujah. Being chosen to even be here is a privilege. Being chosen to pay your tithe is a privilege. Being chosen to sing in the choir is a privilege. Being chosen to usher it's a privilege. David understood it. He says, I am a king, but I'd rather be a doorkeeper than to be anything elsewhere. Because I know that for me to even be alive, to be able to walk in my right senses to the house of God, it's an opportunity. It's a privilege. Hallelujah. Number three. The value of 
The chosen object lies in the eyes of the one doing the chosen. The value of the chosen lies in the eyes of the chooser. I don't know whether you understand. Uh, I've been around this place for a while. I've been in this business for a long while. And I can tell you that not the most prettiest women get married. Sometimes you look at the bridesmaid. And you look at the bride. And you look at the second bridesmaid. And you look at the bride. And you look at the third bridesmaid. And you look at the bride. And you look at the fourth bridesmaid. And you look at the bride. And you say to the guy, was he blind? You know, as I stand here, me, I see things. So I'll be looking out, and in my mind, I was like, why? But beauty, they say, lies in the eyes of the beholder. So the value of the chosen does not lie in the object that has been chosen. It is in the eyes of the chooser. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26, he says that, for you see your calling, my brethren, how not many wise after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God has chosen the foolish things of this world to put to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty. And the base things of the world and the things which are despised, God has chosen. And the things which are not to bring to nothing the things which are. That no flesh should glory in his presence. Amen. But of him you are in Christ. Who became for us wisdom from God. And righteousness and sanctification and redemption. Hallelujah. He says that he. After the flesh when we look at ourselves. As an object that has been chosen. You ask yourself why did they they choose me? I always say that if we're to vote for a pastor of this church, I will not vote for myself. Uh, let's say they are doing uh, elections for the next pastor from next month to take over this church and we put elections. I know I won't win, but I'm telling that me, I won't vote for myself. Why you it took you a minute to understand what I was saying. <laughs> but you do what <laughs> you do a Nigerian. <laughs> That's what I heard him say. <laughs> Ouch, that hurt. <laughs> I apologize. I apologize on his behalf. 
That's why I ran to come and stand here. I don't want problems. <laughs> Hallelujah. The value is not according to what we think. The value is according to what he has placed on it. Hallelujah. When you go for an auction and you see people buying maybe it's a car or a house, a building or, or maybe a table, somebody will value the table and art. 5000 This one, my daughter can do it. This one, my baby, my three-year-old baby can do it. This, what is this drawing that they say is one million? You can see some like like chicken. They they put a a, a little a baby chicken in a paint, and a little baby chicken walk around the canvas. They say it's art, and they say it's a abstract art, and it's a one million. Yeah, it's like. You go to a five a Michelin restaurant, and then they bring they bring a, uh, the food in the plate. The plate is this big, and the food that is, is sitting there like this, and then they have some design something <laughs> that they just drizzle on the table, and then they bring it. Say it's two hundred pounds caviar. <laughs> Meanwhile, if I get Nando's, big, or I go to LFC. For the dead chickens, they'll give me a lot. <laughs> but you see, the value is not what you have given it. It's not what you have given it or what you have given. The value is what he has given it. The one who will go and buy that little food that sits on a big plate with a drizzle has valued it as 250 pounds. And they wear their nice dress, nice uh, bow tie, and go and sit there. I mean, look at this. What is this? What is this? Somebody's got to be crazy. To pay 250 pounds for this. <laughs> Take, stop preaching for me. It's okay. <laughs> so, the, the, this, this one is worth far less than the first picture. But for where most of us are sitting right now in this place, we'll go for the second option. Isn't that right? Do you know why you go for the second option? It's because you have a survivor mentality. Tell your neighbor, who do you this one? <laughs> it's because where you came from, it's all about survivor. So the more, the better. It's not about quality. It's about quantity. But you need to survive. Let me leave that alone. Let's go back to choices. I don't want problems. 
So I'm going to leave it there. I don't want problems. I don't want people to have meetings with me after church. Number four. <laughs> the reality today is that God chooses people to use for the kingdom. Oftentimes, he chooses outcasts, forgotten and unwanted leftovers. See your calling, how not many wise. So I say, the reality is that God's choice in, for his kingdom are often outcasts. Undesirables, if you like. They just summarize as undesirables. Leftover. Outcast, forgotten. The one that is almost as if the world doesn't want. But God has chosen the base things. The word base is useless. A base fellow means a useless fellow. Something that you can just listen anytime. Is what has been chosen. Hallelujah. There is a scripture in First Samuel. First Samuel, when my friend David, verse Samuel twenty-two, verse one says that David therefore departed from there and escaped to the cave of Adullam. And when his brothers and all his father's house had it, they went down there to him. And everyone who was distressed, in distress, everyone who was in debt, everyone who was discontented, gathered to him, so he became captain over them. And there were about 400 men with him. Hallelujah. Now, if you read the end of the story, this indebted, distressed, discombobulated, disoriented, and disorganized people. Dysfunctional, is that a fancy boy here? Who said she? Bobby's an infantry boy, so it makes sense. Okay. The rest of you didn't understand what it meant. It's okay. Let's go on. Where are we? <laughs> At the end of the story, these guys, 400, these are disorganized, indebted, uh, distressed, discontented, disappointed, useless guys, went into the cave with him. But when he came out of the cave, they called these 400 people the mighty men of David. David's mighty men. So God's choice is not man's choice. God's choice is people who look like the first Samuel 22 guys. But he takes you into a cave. And he washes you out. And he transforms you. And he brings you out 
as a mighty man, as a mighty woman of valor. You see, if you were around in those days and you read in the newspaper that David has gone to hide in a cave and the people that are going to him are arm robbers, you know, people who are in debt, people who are distressed, people who are almost homeless because they haven't paid their rent, the landlord is after them, so they have to run and go and hide. You will not want to join that group. You will feel that, no, no, this is a losing group. This is, this is a group of losers. This is not what I want to associate myself with. It will really damage my brand if I am caught dead with these guys. Somebody says, I can't take a selfie with them. Okay. But I want you to understand that that's the picture of the ones that God chooses. The picture of the people that God chooses are the people who don't look like much. They don't have much. But they are the ones that have been chosen. Hallelujah. But then, talking about choices, there is, must be a reason why you will make a choice. I don't know whether you understand what I'm saying. If you are chosen, there must be a reason why. See, there were five beautiful ladies. He chose the one that we thought was not the prettiest amongst them. And he said that that one is my bride. And he made the other four who were prettier than the fifth one become bridesmaids to just wedding apprentice or wedding assistant up to the point of the, uh, what do you call it? The wedding door and they have to go back home. And only one person goes through the door. Are you getting what I'm saying? There must be something he saw in that one that was not in the others. That is why he chose that one. Sometimes it's like the guy probably met all five girls on the same day and befriended all five together at the same time. But then out of time, as time went on, he chose that one. And there is a reason. Hallelujah. When God chooses you, number five, is it five? When God chooses you, he does not just, it does not just mean that you are his choice, but it also means that you have also chosen God. I don't know whether you understood that, that thing. Because if, when God chose you, if you didn't respond, then he is not your choice. See, I had a question yesterday uh, from a young lady saying that if I am supposed to be chosen, I forget the question, but if I'm supposed to be chosen and I am waiting to be chosen and it's not coming, I mean, how, what choice do I have in the matter? And I said to, 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 to her that you also have a, 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 a part to play. You also make the choosing. It's not only the one guy, a guy who chooses you also choose. Because when a guy comes and you look at him and he doesn't meet your requirement, you say no. 
And that's a choice. So we are all choosing. You are choosing, I'm also choosing. Hope that your choice is your choice choice. You understand that next week. (laughs) Try and think about it. Hope that the one you choose will also choose you. If you are not your choice's choice, too bad. Hallelujah. So, the Hebrew boys in Daniel chapter 3 said that we are not careful, O king, how to answer you in this this matter. Because uh, the the, the God we serve, verse, verse 17, quickly. If in case our God whom we serve is, we know the God we serve is able to deliver us from this burning fire furnace and he will deliver us from your hand, O king. But if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve, we will not serve your gods, nor will we worship the golden image. Because we, we have chosen him to be our God not the one you are presenting. Are you with me? So as God chooses you, you must also choose God. Sometimes God chooses us, but we choose something else. God has chosen you, but you can't let go of a a boy. So because of that boy, you have chosen the boy over God. So it's like, it's almost as if he has made the wrong choice choosing you. Can you imagine that out of these five girls, you chose that one girl. And that one girl says, no, I also have a serious boy behind you. They may not even tell you. But as they are relating with you, they are hiding somebody else. And that sometimes that's what we do. He has chosen us, but we have chosen something. We want to come with that thing. We have our own idols that we are pulling along as we come. The room has gone quiet. But today, I want you to understand that the choice God made does not include your choice. That choice he made is exclusive. So you must respond exclusively. I don't know whether you understood that. I am the Lord your God. You shall serve me only and have no other gods besides me. No other gods before me, no other gods above me, no other gods behind me, no one, because I am your God. One of the main problems Israel had from Egypt to the promised land with God was this particular thing. Israel could not let go of other things, of other things, other gods, serving other, looking at other people, trying to incorporate other gods into, into Yahweh. They, 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 the worship of Yahweh always had a lot of things. So it's like there were always this 
struggle, tug of war between God and his chosen Israel. Because they always wanted to make another choice instead of God. But today, I pray that you will also choose God. I say you will also choose God. Just as God has chosen you, you also choose God. Because I said that there's a reason and a purpose for God choosing you. Amen. There's a reason. Society may call you worthless. Society may look at, down on you and call you base. But you are his choice. I say you are his choice. We are not chosen to be worthless. We are not chosen to be dirty. We may have entered the cave of Adullam, broke, discombobulated, disoriented. That one is a blessing. Hallelujah. You may have been bought broke. But it doesn't mean you must stay broke. Hallelujah. You know, Peter gives us about seven or eight reasons why he chose you. And I want us to go through it. But before we go through it, I want to give you a background to the story so you can understand that Peter was writing a letter to Jews that had been scattered all over the place. Some had run. When the persecution of uh, uh, Jeru- and the P- Jerusalem came, people ran from Jerusalem and went to hide in various places. And a lot of them were discouraged. A lot of them felt that God had abandoned them. They felt as if nothing was working. They, was I really chosen? If I was chosen, why am I going through what I'm going through? First Peter 2, we're going to read 1, 2 to 10. It says that, therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious, coming to him as to a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious, you are also as living stones are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices accepted, acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Therefore, it is also contained in the scripture, behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elected precious, who believes on him will by no means, he who believes on him by no means be put to shame. Therefore, to you who believe, he is, a pre- he is precious, hallelujah. But to those who are disobedient, the stone the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble being disobedient to the word to which they have also, they were also appointed. Hallelujah. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, 
his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, who were once were not a people, but now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Hallelujah. So number one, you have not been called to become remain in your disobedience, remain in your malice, envy, remain in, um, go to verse 1, 2 to 3 for me again. I'm just going to show you where they are quickly and we'll go home. Laying aside malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking. As you have been chosen, don't remain in your old state. Because you were chosen to be transformed. Can you imagine that these guys went into the cave of Adullam and they stayed broke? Now, when they went to the cave, what happened? Two things happened. There was a transformation and renewing of their mind. Hello? And not only that, there was a renewing of faith that causes action. A lot of Christians, we like people that give us prophecies, faith, and action without the ones who teach us to change our mind. And you see, your action will never meet transformation without your changing of your mind. I don't know whether you understand the English. Are, are you getting what I'm saying? Your, your actions will only change when your mind is renewed. And your, your mind will only be renewed when your mind is challenged. Not when your mind sees action, sees uh, what do you call it? Holy Ghost fire, you fall down. Holy Ghost fire, you fall down. Holy Ghost fire. You will never ever change. I'm not against power. I like power a lot. But you see, power without leads to foolishness. And a lot of modern day Christians, we like power, power, power. Pastor is preaching, let me stop preaching and prophesy. The preaching is not working. No, 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 you see, can I give you a tricks of the trade? No, no, we can generate power right now. It doesn't take much. Especially when you have seen me do power before, you have faith that I can do power. So faith, because power only takes faith. Are you getting what I'm saying? So once you have seen me do power before, you believe that I can do power. So when I come and stand here and I'm doing power, me to have seen power done from me before. So I have faith that power can come. You have faith that I can do power. So when the two of us meet our power, we generate right now. We ignite the power right now. You know when you take a stone, <laughs> you know you know how to start the fire, and you put it there. You are doing it. it will start right now. If only you are a skillful fire starter, you can start the fire right now. It's an art. But it takes something else to challenge the mind. Because what will challenge is not what I'm speaking. It's the power of God that is changing you. I don't know whether you understand what I'm saying. It's not the words. Somebody else can come and stand here and speak words and nothing will happen. You can take the message I'm preaching right now and preach it. Preach every message I preach every other Sunday to somebody else. And the person will still remain the way they are. 
But you, when you heard this, your life changed. That's where the power is. Because the power that transforms you and makes you something different. So when David took these guys into the cave, he preached to them. And the power behind the word was what transformed them. And changed them from weak people. People were running away from their problems to become mighty men who faced their problems. And then even did face other people's problems and solve them for him. One day, uh, David was thirsty in the middle of the, the battle. And he said, oh, I wish I could drink water from the well of Jerusalem. And I said, oh, is that all? No problem. Give me five minutes. I'm coming. The armies right at the gate of Jerusalem. The enemies are there. He fought his way. Killed many people to go and fetch a bottle of water. Then he fought his way back, killing many people. And he said to David, here you go, man of God. That's all he wanted. David said, I can't drink this water. So David poured the water on him. He said, this is blood water. I can't drink it. About 500 people have been killed this way. 500 have been killed that way. Just to bring me water. Hey. How can I drink this water? I can choke. Are you understanding what I'm saying? So if you have been chosen, make sure that, they, that you justify the reason why you were chosen. Make sure that you lay aside the filth. Hallelujah. Number two, quickly. Number two. To be a living stone. You have been chosen not to be a stone that is worked on but a stone that works on others. Know ye not that your body is a temple of the living God. We are living stones that have been put together. Verse, verse uh, 2 to 3, he says that we, but we have been coming to him as a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God. A living stone means that Stone to stone, stone to stone to stone to stone becomes a wall. I don't know whether you understand that. Stone to stone to stone to stone becomes another wall. Stone to stone to stone to stone becomes another wall. Stone to stone to stone becomes another wall. We have a house. A stone is permanent. A stone doesn't go walk, walk about. A stone is like a brick. Are you with me? If I had like five or six guys and they are standing with arms interlocked, they form a wall. If one gets out every so often and they get angry and they move out. And then when they get happy, they come back. When they get angry, they move out. Would we have a living building? Yeah. So if we are going to be his building, then we must understand that we're chosen for a reason. We're chosen to be here to form the wall. Amen. When Nehemiah was fighting with his guys and building the wall, he said to the people that the people are coming to attack us, but let us build with one hand and with the other hand, let us hold the sword to fight. So we are fighting and building, building and fighting, fighting and building, building and fighting, and none of them left their position because they were living stones. 
building the kingdom. Hallelujah. Can I suggest to you that you have been chosen to be a living stone in the kingdom of God. So stay in your place and fight and build. Don't allow anything to move you from where you are. One of the things that Satan has been, has mastered and has been successful at is that he allows off- little offenses and little heads to keep out going merry-go-round. We're doing one robin. We are leaving to the next door church. Next door person is leaving to this church. This church, another person is going there. Another person is coming. And you see, because you are not, you know, we have to choose the right stones to interlock. So when you move a stone, that's why you bring another awkward-looking stone to, become, to come here. They won't fit very well. Are you with me? And you see, if God wants to build like a village, he wants different houses in, within the village. So Christianity is like different churches within Christendom. We are all the same. Do you understand? Next door church is not better than this church. And this be- church is not better than the church down the road. We are all the same. There's a reason why he has chosen us to be here. He's chosen them to be there. He's chosen them to be other place. Let them be doing their things there. Let us clap for them and help them to do. Let us help these people. Let us also do what we are doing here. Let us not go there. That place is better. So we are going here instead of staying here. Hallelujah. Are you understanding what I'm saying? You are a living stone. There's a reason why you have been picked to be here. Stay here. Can you imagine if this stone moves from where it is now? We are all dead. So the same way when you move from here right now, imagine what is going to happen to us. There's somebody in the church, not because of what, who stands here to preach, but because of where you sit. Because you are a living stone. Hallelujah. Am I preaching to you? Let us all concentrate. Let the church next also concentrate. Let the other church, so that we build Christianity holistically. Stop this round robin that we are doing. There are people in in, uh, Leeds, they've been to every church. Two years ago they were here. Three years ago they were here. Four years ago they were here. Four years ago, everywhere you are offended, offended. Listen, offense will happen everywhere. You have been an instrumentalist every, in every church. What is wrong with you? Hallelujah. You are a living stone. Stay. Put your bottom in one place and stay there. Number three, quickly. Let me finish. Let me finish. I'll finish three and we'll leave it to next week. Number three, we are chosen to be his children. Hallelujah. Do you know that children don't live? Children don't live. Yesterday, I was being introduced by Reverend Bruno and as I was just standing by the, the, the side and he was in, introducing me. I saw that it's like, it, it was like Pastor Kiran introducing me. The feeling I had, I don't know whether you understand, it's like a father who has seen his son doing well. The pride I had when I entered his church 
is the same pride I have when I enter my son's church. I don't know whether you understand what I'm saying. Because it's a son. A son doesn't leave. They'll remain a son forever. Are you with me? When you become a father, I am a grandfather. When you become a grandfather, I am a great-grandfather. He has become a father. But I am his father. Are you getting what I'm saying? And you see, one of the pride of any fathers to see their children doing well. That we entered this church and I was so happy. Beautiful. Built. This was somebody, I remember the day I was preaching, he was crying and walking to come and give his life to Christ. He had a lot of earrings. As he was standing in front to give his life, he was removing the earrings and crying. Crying and removing, removing and crying. Hallelujah. It's, it's just a joy. We are his children. You see, but see, a child who is a, 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 a vagabond, insolent, always talking back. Is a, the Bible says a foolish child is a calamity to his parents. There's nothing worse than having a foolish child who doesn't listen and always causing problems. And the problems land on your legs all the time. You're always fixing his problems. Then you go and f- cause more foolishness. Then you are fixing that. It's causing more foolishness. Galatians chapter 4 verse 4. Let me go home. <laughs> that is a very wee-woo child. He needs to be slapped. <laughs> Amen. Galatians 4, 4. Are you okay today? Have you been blessed? But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. Therefore, You are no longer a slave, but a son. If a son, then an heir of God through Christ. Amen. So we are adopted sons. We've been adopted into his own. So no mistakes here. We are created and adopted into God's family. And you see, an adopted child has the same benefits as a biological child. Amen. We have become part of the beloved. Amen. So we have to behave as sons. Hallelujah. 